Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. And Mary, we are in Denver as we record this with uh, some of our team. So if the audio sounds a little bit less than what we would like, uh, apologies for that. But we're a little frozen too, aren't we? Well, you know what? It's not as cold as it is back in Michigan. So we don't have snow and back home does. And we have the mountains. We have the mountains, have the but it was 18 this morning. Mountains. Holy cow. And so as Father John said, like we're trying, to, when we're on the road, we try to record. And um, so if it sounds like we're talking into two soup cans with a string, forgive us. Yeah. We're going to do our best. Apologies for that. But maybe it's appropriate for the topic. What, what is yeah, the topic amen. for today? Amen. So our topic for today is living life backwards. Ooh, love that. Would We're you pray dive Saint into Father this. God? Yeah, in the name yeah. of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, in this month of November, we continue just to uh, call to mind our loved ones who have left our sight, but who are firmly in your hands, whether they're home or they're on their way. Those that are not yet home, we ask that you would be merciful to and bring them speedily there. Those that already are, we just uh, thank you that they're even now beginning to experience the rewards of their labors. Lord, we just ask for your anointing upon Mary and I as we speak. Help us to break open this topic in such a way that it brings hope and freedom from fear for those of us who might be afraid of dying. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this is really, um, Father John, a conversation that we started last week, right? Uh, Last week we talked about um, how disciples should grieve. And, and, and you encouraged all of us to grieve with hope. We're all going to grieve. It's a natural process, right. but to grieve with hope. And so, so today we just really want to talk about how, how do we as disciples prepare for our own death? Right. So again, November is a time that is to t- typically set aside to both pray for our beloved dead as well as to prepare for our own death. And so we thought this would be a a worthwhile topic to break into. So, you know, can I just make a, a couple opening sure. remarks? Um, first is just to say, uh, and I love you because you've, you've approached this in a different way than I have uh, with your own experience, and I'll talk about that later or ask you to talk about it later. But I think some people probably think this is a, a kind of a macabre topic, and it's anything but. Uh, as a disciple of Jesus, death should be <laughs> the thing I can't wait to experience because it means I'll finally see the Lord, right? I mean, I think it was Father Francis Martin, who was one of my mentors, used to say, you know, we we need to, we're we're sensual beings, meaning we encounter reality through our senses. And, And my eyes, which were given to me to see beauty, have yet seen that which they were primarily given to me for. So the main reason God gave me eyes, the ultimate meaning he gave me eyes, was to see him. Mm. And I haven't seen him yet. So I haven't done with my eyes what I was given eyes for yet. I've so, never heard that before. I love that, Father. Oh, God. it's such a great image. And I just know, like, I ask people sometimes, you know, uh, walking around the church, how you doing? Well, I'm still on this side of the grass. And that's a terrible answer. Like, the, the right answer, the right disposition as a disciple is life is Christ. Death is gain. Death is Our gain. Paul, right. Yeah, like how do you fill in that sentence? I don't think most people say death is gain. No, we don't. We, we don't like to talk about it. Father John, just think about the culture, the cultural backdrop of the last two years. 
We totally. talk about this often. I mean, we've literally been paralyzed with fear. Yeah, and not right? just in the culture, but tragically the church too, oh. right? Which is just, so that's why we're talking yeah. about how does a disciple yeah. approach this. So if this is not a macabre topic. Uh, this should be something that we are eagerly anticipating, right? Paul says it's much, you know, it's probably better for you all to the Philippians that I stay here. But the better thing is to go home and be with the Lord, see the Lord, right? So maybe a second thing, just the, where this title comes from, Living Life Backwards. You and I love to play golf, and a number of our team love to play golf when we're traveling. And although we haven't been playing golf in Denver, trust me, it's been a little chilly. Um, but great golfers play golf backwards. I love that. And, and, and amateurs like ourselves who just happen to have clubs don't play quite that yeah, way. Yeah, like I stand at the tee and I hit the ball and then as I go try to find it. As hard as you can. It. <laughs> yeah, to go as usually. long as it can. Yeah, and right. then I go try to find it. Then you, right. then you whack away at it again and finally you get on the green, finally you get in the hole and then you move on you do it again, right? But great golfers, they don't play like that. Great golfers stand at the tee, they look at the hole, and then they ask themselves, where do I need to be on the green to make the putt? And then they say, where do I need to be in the fairway to hit my approach shot to get on the green in that spot? And then where do I need to tee off to? Mm. And I've always thought this is such a great image because this is how you live life. Like we're all playing the only game that really matters, golf, so whether, or life. So whether you're an athlete or not, you're actually an athlete because we're all competing for a crown. That's what an athlete means and the crown is the crown of eternal life and and the question is when i die not if when i die what do i want to hear god say to me now you're going to hear one of two things yeah there's only two options yeah. right option a depart from me Ooh, bad option i don't but want to hear option a option b never let me be separated from you and then the second one is of course what we all want to hear well done yeah well done good and faithful servant so we want option b so if if that's the case then i want to live life backwards and i got to go okay when i die what do i want to hear so how do i how live? now shall i live yeah how do i live my life so that when i die like it's yeah, i don't want to say it's a gimme because that's kind of the wrong image here but so that the Lord just says, welcome home, right? So that, that's a couple of remarks, huh? Maybe just say something. We're out in Denver, as we mentioned, and maybe a first way to talk about how a disciple prepares for death comes from the experience. You and I had a similar experience when we were with the team celebrating Mass with Archbishop Aquila right. in his chapel. Right. Just talk about that a little so, bit. So Archbishop Aquila has this beautiful crucifix in his chapel, and um, it has four medallions. So on all, you know, the highest point, the lowest point, at the ends of the, of the um, horizontal cross, right, that the, the arm, are these four medallions. And at the very top is what I believe is the Father. Mm -hmm. To the left and to the right um, is um, Our Lady, who is at the foot of the cross with uh, St. John. And then at the bottom is, an, is a medallion. That's what, caught, that's what really caught my attention. It was an image of a skull right. and bones. Right. And it, it just caught my eye. And, and it did a couple things for me. It's a reminder, of course, what Jesus did on the cross. You know, he's done something about death. Mm -hmm. He's trampled upon it. But it made me realize it, it became very personal. For me, and I thought, how many times do I look at the crucifix, the crucifix, and contemplate my own death? Right. And I don't. And that's exactly why it's there. So the the skull is on a crucifix because trust because he celebrates mass ad orientum in his chapel. So I'm I'm six inches, ten inches from the cross. I'm staring very directly at a skull. It's mm -hmm. there for that reason. Mm. This will be you, John. Mm. 
So it's there as a reminder of Adam, because tradition often says that Golgotha is the Garden of Eden. That's where Adam was buried. But it's also there for me. This will be me. So, you know, you're standing celebrating Mass, and you're not only being reminded that Jesus conquered it, of course, but you're also intended to be sobered by the fact that it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. That's a good thing. So we could say perhaps a first way that a disciple prepares for his or her death is just to contemplate the fact, I'm going to die. And that's a that's a really important thing to think about, huh? Right. Okay, right. how about a second way? Yeah, so so um, a second way is um, is to plan your funeral. Yeah. And, and to pray about those readings that you want proclaimed. You've done this, and right? And why. So I've actually prepared my funeral twice. So yeah. I did it a number of years ago, and then I did it around... Gosh, nine years ago, I was in a season of sickness, right? And um, I had plenty of time. I had like 15 months where I was pretty down and out. And I wrote, I I re, I rewrote my funeral. Yeah, I've done it twice too. Yeah, it's just it was very helpful for me. Um, And so I just prayed into the readings, the readings that I wanted, and then I put it um, in our in our family safe. Yep. And so that so when that moment comes, whenever that moment is, Steve doesn't have to go looking for it. It's there, and that and that piece of it is done, and that's and those that funeral liturgy reflects my heart, my life, exactly those scripture passages that spoke to me in this life, and and hopefully will 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 be able to communicate to those gathered um, my love for Jesus. Absolutely, that's why you do this. So this yeah. this isn't so much to be a gift for the family who's left behind, who's got to like scramble for readings. This is a very this is kind of like part. It, it's it's part one B. So the first thing that a disciple does is is contemplate their death. One of the ways to do that is go, okay, what do I want proclaimed for the word of God at my funeral so that I can teach people? So I, I have in my funeral the readings and why I want these readings and what I want the priest who I've asked to preach to speak about so that people will know all sorts of different things, not about me, but about Jesus. About Jesus. Right. Um, and again, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, those those moments, you know, those sacramental moments, you know, whether it's baptisms or weddings or funerals, those are tremendous opportunities to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Absolutely. Paragmatic opportunities. Um, right. and, and, and then part of that is also, obviously, picking the music, mm-hmm. right? So, sure. so all of that's a part of it. And then there's the next piece. And um, Steve and I just did this actually a year ago. Uh, we, I, we we connected with uh, the Catholic funeral services for the Archdiocese of Detroit, and we identified the, the cemetery where we wanted to be buried. We made an appointment, and we looked around where we wanted to be buried, and so we actually purchased our cemetery plots. I love that. Now, that was something that we had had in our mind for years and years and years, but given that he just retired, we thought, you know, this is probably worth doing now, but you don't have to wait till you retire to do that. Right. right. So, so again, God bless the people who work in cemeteries, oh too. This gosh, is such an awesome ministry. They're tremendous. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, there's um, there's preparing your wills, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so, so those are some of the other pieces yeah. that, that that. So I would say that's the second way. Yeah. As disciples, we can. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Let, let me just ask. I want to if I can, I want to put you I want to get really personal with you. And, and you have uh, something to share with people simply because. Uh, You've stared death in the face. You know, you were diagnosed with cancer. The Lord healed you. You went through all that you went through when you and Steve were walking through that and your daughter. Um, But because of that, there's a a credibility 
if I can put it that way, that I think you have that I don't have. I've, I've walked with mm-hmm. lots of people as they're dying. I've buried lots of people, but I haven't faced death the way you have. So I, I just like to ask you, like, when you, when you did that, when you when you were staring that in the face, what were the biggest lessons that that you would want to share with us, so that we can prepare for death as a disciple in the way that you did? Because you did it so, I want to say heroically. I mean, it was so real, it was so raw, but it was with so much trust in Jesus. Mm. Oh gosh, Father John, you know I I um, there's too many lessons to share, but I. But I will give voice to, to one particular prayer that the Lord laid on my heart uh, during that time. Uh, I had plenty of time to think and pray um, over those 15 months of treatment. And um, the simple prayer that the Lord laid on my heart was simply this. Um, um, if I'm going to suffer, help me to suffer well. Hmm. And if I'm going to die help me to die well Hmm. and then if i'm going to live help me to live well Hmm. keeping like jesus always before me can i can i ask you to tell me like what does it mean to die how did you understand like okay so i might Mm -hmm. die Mm -hmm. what what is dying well or what did dying well and and does it now because of what you went through Mm -hmm. what's that look like um gosh father john that's a that, that that's a a challenging questions a, a question I'm I'm going back to that time in my mind and I'm certain things that came to my mind during that during that very hard time um, there were some things that just that I'd been holding on to that just didn't matter hmm. Um, one of the things that I had held on to that I didn't know I was even holding on to until the Lord revealed it to me was just some unforgiveness. Hmm. And so um, there were just some things that if it didn't matter then, in, in that moment, it just didn't matter. So there was just uh, this movement of grace where God just allowed deep, deep spiritual healing in my life to let go of things that just didn't matter. And I and I think it, it, I think the my biggest takeaway from that is I just wanted to love well. Hmm. I wanted to, I, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to be ready to meet him. Um, you know this, I, I went to confession, I don't know, once a week during that time. Um, I wanted a pure heart. I wanted to be healed of everything in this life um, that I didn't even know that I needed to be healed from. I wanted the Lord to have lordship over every every area of my life in that time. Um, there was a there was a, a desire for this renewed sense of purity, mm-hmm. uh, a renewed sense of childlike faith, um, a, a renewed sense of dependency upon Him uh, in a way that I'd never had before. Um, it was it was drinking in the Word of God all the time. Mm-hmm. It was inviting Jesus. I mean, there were moments in that time where um, the only prayer at times that I could pray were, were just simply the name of Jesus mm. or, or, or the name of Mary. But to die well meant that I wanted to get, I wanted to be unencumbered. I didn't want to take anything with me to stand before Jesus Christ 
And so it's just this tremendous purification on every level, every area of my life. I don't know if I've answered yeah, your that's, question that's, or not. No, that's um, so. First of all, thanks because it, um, I'm asking you to, to revisit something which I know is is hard to revisit, and yet at the same time was just the uh, resulted in such tremendous grace for you and for all those that you've been able to minister to, which includes me. Uh, since that time, I'm thinking of people who, you know, sometimes. Uh, I think it's a tremendous grace to be told you have something and it might take your life as opposed to say somebody who dies suddenly and tragically because what you just described was God gave you a grace to prepare for what's inevitable and not everybody gets that. So I I guess one of the things I want to encourage people because there's people listening who've just been told, uh, you know, you have an God bless doctors, but they're practicing physicians, right? So you have six months and maybe you've got 16 years, who knows? But that's what, that's what it looks like to a doctor. Um, you've got 12 months, you've got a year and a half. Rather than go, ah, um, the response to that should be something more like, okay, I want to get my house in order. And that's what you did. That's what you just shared. That's, yeah. how, I, that's how I hear but, it. I've always thought that's a tremendous grace as opposed to like dying in a car accident where... I guess in a, in a fraction of a second, I could get my life in order too. But uh, I, I'd rather, I think, I'd rather have time to prepare for it. It was a special grace, Father John. I'm glad that you gave voice to that. Um, and I would, I, I've said this to you, I've said it to our family and friends. I would go through that experience all over again hmm. to know Jesus the way I know him now. And I, I didn't want to return to the life I once lived. And that's not to say that I didn't know Jesus, that I wasn't following him, but it takes you to a completely different level. And so because of that experience, um, I I know that death will come at some point, but I want to live now with, with that always before me. So back to the crucifix in Archbishop's Chapel. Um, I think sometimes after we go through an experience like that, we just don't even want to think about it anymore. But in truth, we need to think about it because it gets our hearts ready for that moment. Yep. The, the one that we've surrendered our whole lives to is preparing a place for us. And we just want to be ready. Right. That's why it, death it, is gain. Yeah. Like I'm going back to that first point. Life is Christ. Death is gain. If, if I'm living, please God, it's productive toil. If I die... I get to go home. Amen. Amen. (laughs) We we just have to learn to think that way. And I don't think most of us as disciples, unfortunately, do. You know, and and Father John, I can tell you, too, that there were a couple moments um, in that journey where I actually thought I was was going to be called home. And in those two moments that are very clear in my mind right now, I was okay. Yeah. Like I, I, I was ready to go home at that point. I just said, Lord Jesus, take me now because I'm, I'm ready to go. And if I can just say maybe one more thing, you know, we talked about, you know, ways that we can prepare. Yeah. And um, during that time, it had always been a desire of mine to make a general confession. I wanted to make a general confession mm. for like 20 years. Mm. Um, and this created an opportunity to really prayerfully walk through my life and then to set up an appointment with a beautiful priest who I knew this was his mission. He just had a charism for general confessions. And I called him and I said, I'd like to set up an appointment. It was the day after Christmas. It was December 26, 
2012. Mm-hmm. And it was just he and I met him up at a church and, and made a general confession of my life. That That's another thing that's a I great think way. that's worth that's a great suggestion. talking yeah. about. In fact, yeah. even as you're saying that, I might encourage people, we should always go to confession as if it's your last confession. Amen. Because... One day it will be, and, you, and, and we don't get to know in advance when that's going to happen. Right. Okay, great. So let me wrap this up. Let me take, sure. hit a third way. So I, I think, you know, one of the reasons why we are um, not so willing to ponder our own death, if we're honest, most of us, is because we're afraid of dying. So there's a passage in Hebrews where it talks about the devil and how the devil has held bound those who their whole lives long have been afraid of dying. And I, I think that's where most people are, quite honestly. They're afraid of dying. And Jesus, right now, at this moment, by the power of his Holy Spirit, wants to deliver those of us who are listening, or those of us who are talking, from the fear of death in all the ways that that manifests itself. And, and I might share, if I can, you and I were doing a live stream for the Rescue Project mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, and I shared this image then, but- I love this. Some of us yes. were, we were, we were out doing some work and, uh, the Lord gave me an image as I was praying. I was praying for a friend of mine who had just passed away named Michael. And as I was praying for him, I felt like the Lord gave me this image that he says, I want you to remember this for when that day comes for you. And so the image was the Red Sea. And I'm standing, just me, on my own. Because when I die, when you die, when we all die, we're going to be alone. Even, I don't mean there's going to be nobody with us. I mean, no one's going to stand with us in front of God. It's just going to be me. It's just going to be you. It's just going to be each of us, which is a somewhat terrifying concept, so right? Like I'm going to stand Before exposed the- in front of God, right? And so uh, as as the Lord led me in prayer, I, I, he takes me back to the, the Exodus. So the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And so they're, you know, they're delivered from Egypt. But then at a certain point, shortly thereafter, they're trapped with the body of water in front of them that is the Red Sea and the most powerful army in the world, the Egyptian army, chasing them. And as I'm praying with this, the Lord says, so so the Red Sea is death, John. Mm. And you're going to get pinned on the day of your death at the shore. And and he's going to come after you. And he's going to taunt you to say, I'm going to get you. And you're going to be mine. And then I see, as I'm looking at this body of water, which is death, I see the water split and I see walking through the water, Jesus, and he comes right to me. And then as he's doing this, he's talking to me and he says, but when that day comes and it will come, I will come and get you and I will take you by the hand and we will walk just like the Israelites walked through the Red Sea. You and I will walk through death. And it will be like the Red Sea was, like a wall on your right and on your left. And the enemy is going to come after you. But I will drown him. Just like the chariots and the charioteers were drowned in the Red Sea. And the water is going to come back together. And then if you can remember the book of Exodus in Exodus 15, the Israelites get to the other side and they see the Egyptians wash up on the shore. These people who have made their lives just hellish. And what do they do? They dance. (laughs) They dance. And I felt like the Lord just said, can you ponder, John, what it's going to be like to never again be harassed and chased by the enemy? Because that day will come too. And on the other side of the shore, 
are all those people that we love who have left this life who are waiting for us. You know, there's Moses, there's Paul, there's Peter, there's Mary, there's Magdalene, there's Therese, there's my mom, there's my dad, my brother, your dad. And we will celebrate like crazy. And I don't know how I'm going to live because I've lived my whole life concerned about things. You know, fearful of different things, worried about different things, anxious about different things. There's nothing to be anxious about in heaven. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be concerned about. Like... I don't, we, I'm literally going to have to learn to live an entirely new way, mm-hmm. but that's what's going to happen. And, and, and I, I share that just because I'm so aware of how many people are afraid. And that might've been the way the Lord spoke to me. And maybe he's going to speak to you in a different way, but the Lord wants to, however he does it, he wants to deliver you right now from the fear of death. And I think one of the reasons why people are afraid of dying, especially married people, people with children, grandchildren, they say things like, well, I don't want to miss that big event. I want to be there for the wedding. I want to be there for graduation. Nobody in heaven is missing anything. Right. Right? We're yeah. missing them. They're not missing us. It's a thin veil between us and them. And every once in a while, they, they make their presence felt. Bless yes, be God. they do. Praise so, the Lord for So that. a final way that we can say right now that a disciple prepares for death is simply to ask the Holy Spirit to free me from the fear of it. That's a huge stronghold. Yeah. Right. Amen. Fear. But God can deliver us from all of that. He wants us to live free now so we can be free for the kingdom now and inherit the internal the eternal glory that is ours. Amen. In I his love kingdom. it. And in that image that I shared of the Red Sea, That's regardless right. of the image of how it's actually going to play out, it's true that Jesus has conquered death. It's true that it has no power over a disciple. It's true that he's going to stare at us face to face. And please, God, we're going to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Wait till you see what I have waiting for you and have prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. 